I'm looking outside and while my weather app says it's sunny with scattered clouds uh, with beautiful end of summer temperatures, my eyes can only see thick, thick smoke that has obliterated the sun and any possibility of seeing blue sky. And our hearts can experience similar sorts of conflicting weather where environmentally our circumstances might dictate that all is well, but inwardly our experience is dramatically different. This morning, I don't wanna get into the why so much, but rather I just wanna get into the ifs. So I'll ask you to close your eyes and consider the state of your heart. If your heart had a weather system this morning, what would the weather in your heart look like? Try to describe it to yourself as if you were a meteorologist. Is it sunny? Is there a chance of rain? Is there a storm brewing? Is there a high pressure system building or a frost warning? Maybe it's foggy or visibility is low. You get the idea. So take a few moments to consider the weather of your heart. Now that you've considered that, you might actually have tapped into something you are not consciously aware of, or just didn't have words to describe what you are feeling or experiencing. For parents with young kids, this is a really great listening exercise to help kids to become self-aware about how they feel and what they need. So, we understand that we need to dress for weather. Cold requires us to bundle up. Rain requires a raincoat, boots, and umbrella. Hot weather, we need protection from UV and cool, breathable clothes. And for the in-between times, we layer, anticipating either needing to add or subtract layers according to what the weather does. So let's go back to our heart's weather conditions. According to the weather condition in your heart, how will you dress for that weather? And in the mix of this question, let's ask Jesus to show us what you need and ask him to supply it for you. You may have been overdressed for the weather and your heart was overburdened. Or you may have been underdressed for the weather and your heart was exposed to the elements. You may be anticipating a change in weather and you've been feeling anxious about being ready for it. And you can now prepare for what is to come. Lean into Jesus for all that you might need. 
it's really important for us to be self-aware about how we're doing because the self-awareness allows us to address what we actually need and then ask for it or look for that. Consider checking in on your heart's weather each day this week. You might even check first thing in the morning and before you go to bed at night. Or do this with your family as an exercise at breakfast. Our kids might be feeling some anxiety about school, however that looks for your family, and giving them, this would give them an outlet and a way to express that anxiety that uses imagery and might just be a way to help them dress for the weather. Bless you this week in whatever weather conditions you might be facing. Come on. Okay. Thanks so much, Eden. That was awesome. Yeah, the weather in our hearts. And and just your statement of being self-aware. That's that's so so important. Um I'm going to uh I have the privilege today of kicking off our fall series on the Beatitudes and a little deviation from doing the lectionary. Uh, we're going to take uh, uh, another trail this fall and just dive into the Beatitudes. We're pretty excited about that. Uh, we love the lectionary, but we feel like it's uh, uh, just time to do something different. Can you imagine something different? Wow. A change. So, but anyway, before I give this little talk I've prepared as, which is an overview uh, to kind of set the, the stage and set the tone, I'm gonna ask Janine to read it uh, so that we all know what we're talking about. Here she is. Okay, so this is Matthew 4, verse 23 to Matthew 5, verse 12. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went people from Galilee, the Ten Towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from east of the Jordan River. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, 
for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it, be very glad, for a great reward awaits in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Great, thanks, Janine. So the Beatitudes, as they've been called, uh, they, this teaching that Janine read has been considered the Mount Everest of the Christian message, the Mount Everest of Jesus's teachings and the pinnacle of, you know, what the church is, has been called to be about. Um, uh, it's also uh, a metrics to measure life by. Uh, I came to understand somewhere along the line, uh, this was said at a first, the first time I heard it said was at a Mennonite Brethren Pastors Conference. And it shocked me. And then I realized the truth of it. The, the, the thing that was said was that the Bible is not flat. It's, it's not flat. It's, it's, it's got high points and low points. And this little passage is possibly the highest point in the Bible. Um, and, and of course, there's, there's low points. There's low points when people accuse God of saying, or, or they say it in the Bible that God said I should go commit a genocide. And then there's just other parts that say it's illegal to wear two, it's a sin against God to wear two kinds of fabric. You know, these are all like low points and like whatever. But this teaching is the high point. The Bible is not flat. And the question comes is, how much does the church look like this passage? I, I, when I was at uh, prison with the guys, I was showing them the, the uh, Matthew series, Jesus video, and I would ask the question. I said, as we listen to Jesus's teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, or watch his activity, uh, his uh, actions here. How much does the church look like its founder? And these guys in the prison say, it, it doesn't look like him at all. <laughs> I mean, how much does the church look like a place of nonviolence, complete nonviolence? It seems like the church was nonviolent up to the time of Constantine. When uh, Constantine came on the scene and made it the official religion of the, the, the Roman Empire, uh, like uh, the church took on violence to gain power. Um, uh, and, and then it developed doctrines of war, of righteous way, like you can murder mass amounts of people and it's a blessing to God. They develop doctrines this way. I, I was thinking of that Drake song. We started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole, now the whole church is here. It's like we started as a nonviolent movement and we got to the top through violence, through the worldly ways. Um, 
even Janine was listening to some podcast and they pointed out that like the ultimate church, St. Peter's Basilica in, Ro in Rome, the word basilica means palace. Like we started in a stable, now we're here. Like we were supposed to be stable dwellers, uh, at least in our mindset, a humble, stable mindset, not a power palace, basilica way. Uh, Cynthia Bourgeau uh, says it this way, only through a point of nothingness and humility can we enter the larger mind. Basically meaning, uh, as long as we are filled with ourselves, we can go no further. And we've in some ways slipped from this message that we see in the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are about humility and kindness. It's not about power and manipulation and control. It's about a, it, uh, the Beatitudes are about a mindset of abundance and not scarcity. You know what I mean by that? Like abundance is, you know what? There's so much love to go around that, that we can share it. But scarcity is like, ah, oh, I got to get mine. So I must take power. The, the Beatitudes are about abundance. Uh, it's I have enough so I can share. Uh, rather than, you know, I don't have, so I need to protect and fight and grab. Abundance Beatitudes make space for others. Cynthia Bourgeau, she goes on to say about this, uh, only when we deal directly with our animal instincts, that's that selfishness or me first. I mean, you ever watch the nature shows and watch like lions eat a gazelle or wolves eat something? Like it's, it's that animal's instinct, me first, selfishness, which is the root of our fear and scarcity. Can we emerge? Can we actually emerge as one who, in quotes, get your fingers out, inherits the earth? That's the only way that's going to happen. And gang, mercy works. Non-mercy doesn't work. And if you don't understand this, then you need to get on Netflix and watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> you totally do. Because the wrong message in the dojo, in, in, in that bad dojo, the Cobra Kai dojo was no mercy. And then the guy realizes this doesn't work. No mercy makes you a horrible person. And his life was a mess because of it. Those who are full of themselves cannot show real mercy. Uh, they will do manipulative things that they'll claim as mercy, but it's not. It's not real and free and life-giving mercy. And you can feel it. You know it. You know, that's what abusers do to their, their wives and stuff. The, the Beatitudes are about self-emptying, to flow in the way of God, the way of Jesus, the divine way. Um, Edmund Helminski wrote a book, Living Presence, and in it he said, self-emptying 
is not about giving up things, things we want, or rolling over and playing dead, being a doormat. It's about connecting with an energy of sustenance, so powerful, so alive, and so vibrant that it flows from the divine through our being and blesses everything it touches. That's powerful. I don't know, just sit with that one. It's just something, wow. Edmund goes on to say, uh, the core secret, here we go, this is the secret, of the Beatitudes is learning the act of letting go. Learning the act of letting go. It was the core to Jesus's cosmic strength. I mean, we just did communion, which is a celebration of his letting go. He emptied himself on that cross. That's the message. Um, But not only that, he healed people through the power of letting go. Not only that, he forgave people through the power of letting go. He freed people through the power of letting go. The point of this teaching is that this, the Beatitudes, is that it's not just for Jesus. It's for you and I too. That, that same power is hardwired into us when we surrender. And pow, the explosion of presence goes off. And freedom happens. Forgiveness happens. And yes, healing happens. When we let go. Um, the, the call is not to go to sleep, but to stay alert to this letting go sensation that the Beatitudes is pointing out. Finally, in this, this is a summary. Summaries are fun. They're supposed to, that's why I was talking church history and I'm trying to do a big, broad brushstroke, okay? So the the final thing I want to point out here in this summary uh, relates to one of the things I said at the beginning. The Beatitudes are a measuring rod or metrics of values uh, to hold on to. Um, to live by uh, the the value of kindness and mercy and nonviolence. Those are good values to measure one's life by. Those are those are a good metrics to live by. Uh, here's some bad values: pleasure, money, always having to be right. Those are bad values that are not a good metrics to measure your life by. Um, Let me give you a little illustration from something you've all been dying to hear. And this is an illustration from heavy metal music. Somebody say amen. Where's Judy? Judy, this is your genre, right? She she loves her heavy metal. but I read this in a book that this illustration, I thought that really grabs it. Um, uh, 
a man named Dave Mustaine was with his band uh, in New York City, and they were just about to sign a record, de record deal with Capitol Records. Capitol Records pulled the band aside without Dave Mustaine, and they said, we want to sign you, but without him, kick him out of the band. So Dave Mustaine was ungloriously kicked out of his band, and that band was Metallica. Okay, so they went on to become huge, right? But in that moment, Dave didn't know that. He went back to LA, Dave Mustaine, and decided, well, I'm going to start my own band. And he started a band uh, that uh, under the name Megadeth. Yeah, does that ring any bells, Megadeth? He became huge, famous, 25 million albums sold. And then he was interviewed with all his success. And in that interview, he broke down to tears and cried because Metallica had sold 180 million albums and he'd only sold 25 million. He was rich, he was famous, but his metrics for measuring life was broken. It was based on, I must do better than Metallica to be successful in life. And, and it just didn't work. He was in his personal life. He was a mess. He was sad and a, a, a broken person. Uh, compare that with a man named Pete Best. He was the original drummer of the Beatles. Anyone remember that band, the Beatles? Okay, the Beatles. He was the original drummer. He got kicked out of the Beatles and they hired some, who did they hire? Uh, Who's that crazy guy? It's not Harrison. He's the other guitarist. Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr. They hired Ringo Starr, right? Pete Best uh, was fired. And of course, he did have a low time for a few years after getting kicked out of the band when the Beatles became so famous. Uh, but he, he carried on his life, married a great gal, ended up getting a good job also in the music industry, doing traveling, never became famous, but had a great life, great wife great kids, uh, was interviewed. He was so happy. It had, in his older years, he had, had such a great life. Somewhere in Pete Best's depression, he pulled a switcheroo and began to measure his life by a different metrics than the metrics of, I got kicked out of the Beatles. He attained what all the other Beatles struggled and struggled to barely get. And that was a happy marriage and a happy family life. They, they've struggled in that area that just landed in Pete's lap. And uh, Pete was the better off for it, but mainly because he was able to switch his metrics that my life isn't lived by, I got kicked out of the Beatles. My life is lived by uh, a loving wife, great kids, uh, serving in your community. And, and that switcheroo ended up having a great life. I remember having a girl come to me once years and years ago when I was pastoring in Maple Ridge and she was so depressed and she was trying to be the Christian girl. And she was just like, I, I, I'm not fulfilled. Her measurement of life was, I feel like God called me to be a pastor's wife. And she had met good guys but they weren't going to be pastors. 
And so she was dumping these guys. And I was like, that is not God. You're measuring your life by someone else completing a task for you to be, you know, that that's creepy. That's like manipulative. I, I said, that is not the voice of God. If you had told me that to be successful, you wanted to be a pastor, I would have been like, yes, because then that's in your control uh, in, in your life, but not this manipulate another for you to be uh, successful. Um, the Beatitudes are the core values. The Beatitudes are the core secret of the power of letting go. Uh, does this mean you have no problems? No. Living by the Beatitudes, you know what it means? It means you have better problems. Hey, everybody feeling that one? You have better problems. And like Pete Best kicked out of the Beatles, you get a better life. So I encourage you to, you know, read the Beatitudes once a week. Uh, this Matthew 5 section. Uh, enjoy this series as I've talked with the different people who are going to be doing speaking. Uh, they're all excited about their verse and what they're going to, uh, you know, give to us. And, and I think it's going to be an awesome fall series. So hold on to your seats, get ready. This is going to be great. So God, I just pray blessing on all my friends. I pray that the Beatitudes would come alive in our hearing and that we would walk out, God, um, bigger world, better problems, and uh, experience the joy and peace in life that comes by living by your self-emptying standard. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you all. Amen.